Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. If you have your Bibles with you, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I started to preach this sermon last Sunday morning, but felt led to let you speak. And talking to some folks this week, they said, Pastor, we still want you to preach that sermon. So uh, I'm going to do that. We're going to talk about being broke. Have you ever heard the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? In the context we're going to talk about today, if it ain't broke, maybe it needs to be broken. I want you to follow along as I read Scripture beginning in verse 5 of chapter 4. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says these words, we, For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, we have this treasure, this this glory, this, this shining that Paul talks about. Now, we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. For we are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore we speak. For we know that the the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that grace, extended through more and more people, may cause thanksgiving to increase to God's glory. I'm thankful for this passage of scripture because it has reminded me through this last year of how important it is for God to to break us so that that treasure can be out there. I I wanted to go back as we ran ran into this uh, anniversary of Hurricane Harvey, go back to some of those truths that sustained me through this time and they still sustain me today. You know, we got the evacuation order to get out of the path of the storm so we can get out of the way of destruction What God wants for us as a church to do is he wants us to have an evacuation order to get out of the four walls of the church. He wants us to be beyond this holy huddle of every Sunday morning. He wants us to be out there in the community making a difference for the cause of Christ. So let's talk about the fact that we are to be broken, and when we're broken, we can beam the light of Christ to the world. Number one, just several uh, truths of application today. Number one, we possess the real treasure that people are looking for. They don't know it. 
but they're searching. We possess the real treasure, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We possess this as followers of Christ. Paul says you have this treasure in these clay jars or some translations, earthen vessels. It means cheap, simple, common vessels. You have this treasure. It's the glory of God in the person of Christ as we present and proclaim the gospel to the world. That phrase there for clay jars, simple, common, ordinary, and some have even taken in the translation cheap, cheap, in the sense it's not very valuable in itself. I remember one of my first jobs as a, a salesman, I, I called a guy and told him that we had some cheap, I was selling oil field and uh, pipe casing and tubing, and, and I said, well, he was asking, so I said, we do have some cheap pipe. And when I hung up the phone, my boss chewed me out. He said, Kevin, we don't have anything that's cheap, it's inexpensive. I learned a lesson, it's not cheap. But that word could apply here. Cheap meaning not valuable in the world's eyes. This treasure is in this clay jar. Paul talks about the flesh, our bodies. We, we possess within us the gospel to share with others. Kelly and I were on a vacation a while back up in Lakey and I, we were you know, doing the shopping that we do and just looking through a garden center and found these really cool looking urns. Very inexpensive. I thought, man, that would make the neatest fountain. I was, I was on a, a mission for the last five years of my life to have the perfect fountain in my backyard. Harvey did away with the last one, so I'm done with fountains. <laughs> but I, I thought, this thing, I can set it up. I can put a bowl at the bottom and some rocks, and I can put a pump in it and have the water come up. And I mean, it was about that tall. It was so cool. I was so excited about it. And I, I got water, and I got the pump in there, and I filled it with water. And while I was doing all that, it fell over into the grass and shattered into 100 pieces. And I realized it wasn't a fired pot, and I probably didn't be putting water in it. Sure wasn't made for a fountain, but I thought, the well, first thought I had, what a cheap piece of pie, uh, pottery. How did I do that? I got what I paid for. But the Bible says that we have the, the treasure, the gospel in this simple, average, everyday clay pot that may not have been fired. It's going to crack. So we have it. Number two, because we have it, we get to display the gospel when we're broken. Don't miss that. Don't miss the fact that I'm saying we get to, not that we have to. And don't miss the fact that we get to do it because of the fact that we're broken. Do you see this in the passage? We have this treasure in clay jars, verse seven, so this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. So that when people hear the truth of the message of the gospel of Christ, they won't be looking at us. They'll be keyed in and focused on the gospel. That's the key. The church I surrendered into the ministry in West Houston, we had a, 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 the pulpit had a plaque in it, a, a marble plaque embedded in the pulpit, and it, it said, Sir, we would see Jesus. So anytime you got up to that pulpit, you saw that. And it was a reminder that the people don't need to see us. They need to see Jesus. We have this privilege of displaying the gospel to people, but it happens when we're broken. When we have it all together, they may not be listening to us. Have you found that to be the case? When you begin to share your broken life with people, when you begin to share that you're normal and human and you're not perfect, people begin to listen Somebody told me one time, the reason I don't go to your church is because everybody's got it all together. 
And I was like, first of all, are we talking about the same church? Secondly, I said, I don't know about everybody else, but I don't have it all together. There's this image that people see that they can't come here, and I think it's a distorted image because they think we have it all together. We all laugh. Do you agree with me, right? We don't have it all together. We are a hot mess. Can I say that? And, and when I'm broken, when I'm broken, people will listen to the message. I was talking with a teacher this week how he was able to reach a student because he shared the brokenness in his life. And this student who was, with, was just isolated from contact with anybody began to look up and focus and hear and respond because of this teacher's brokenness. Remember the story in the book of Judges where Gideon has this big massive army and God whittles it down and whittles it down and it's almost like, I've got this army, I'm ready to take on the Amalekites, the Midianites, I'm ready to do it. And God says, no, I want you to whittle that army down to 300. And then I want you to take these clay jars and I want you to put torches in them, but cover them up and then you scatter out and you march down the hill and when I give the command, you break the clay pots and the torches will shine and the enemy will be surprised and there's a trumpet and the enemy will turn on themselves. And as long as the torches were contained in those jars, the message wasn't getting out that there's an army coming. But as soon as the, the jars were broken, they knew there's, a, there's an army coming. And they, they misunderstood, misinterpreted that the 300 jars out there, or however many there were, meant thousands of soldiers. That's how the word got out. That's how the, the message got out. They had to break those pots. Someone said, we're like the clay pots of Gideon's army. When we're broken, the light of the gospel shines. When we're broken, our strength and power is not seen, but God's. It's as if God is saying to Gideon, Gideon, these jars are representing your strength. And you just got to let it go and let me take over. And the armies turned on themselves. It's interesting the, the church at Corinth, as Paul wrote here, there were some people in, in Corinth that were, that were elevating themselves as super Christians. Anybody know anybody like that? Who they have this air that they have it all together, and if you really want to be spiritual, you've got to be like them. And what they were doing was they were calling attention to themselves. They were calling attention to their, their vessels. And Paul's writing, and I, he may be responding to that. And, and, and I guess I could... Could paraphrase in here, Paul is saying those, those super Christians who act like they've got it all together, they're focusing on themselves. You Corinthians get to break those jars and let the gospel shine. I was thinking that we're, we're kind of like windows. The, the purpose of a window is not to be seen. The purpose of the window is to be able to see through the window, right? And, and I, I, what I want is I want people not to be looking at me, but to be looking at Jesus. That's, that's my desire. That's my prayer. Because I get to display it. And, and here's the thing. It happens when I'm broken. When I'm broken. Someone said, it's not by exalting the messenger that God's glory and power are revealed, but by breaking the, the container that the contents are displayed. It's like a, a spiritual pinata right? I can't believe, I grew up in West Texas in El Paso, and I thought pinatas were the thing for West Texas on the border, but apparently they're everywhere, everywhere. And what, what are the kids, I hope they're all kids, 
However, I've seen some videos. The adults have to get in on it. Their goal is to break the pinata. Why? Because there's candy inside or whatever. I've seen some weird stuff inside pinatas. But the goal is everybody who gathers around this thing swinging in a tree or swinging off a swing set or whatever, everybody knows it's not about the pinata. It's about who can whack it hard enough to break it so the treasure comes out. And it happens when we're broken. I'll be honest with you, I have wished it could be different. I have wished God could just use me without breaking me. Confession. God, can I just not just smoothly sail along and you still use me? Paul says, you know what, Kevin? When, when you have smooth sailing, it becomes all about you. You don't depend on me. You don't trust me. It's not a conscious choice that I make. Okay, God, I'm not going to trust you. But when things are going well, I am, I am just saying, thank you, God, and here we go. But when I'm broken, when there's a, a hurt, when there's a struggle in my life, boy, then I am, I am pressed to my knees, crying out to God, God, use me. We get to display it when we're broken. Number three, this is good news. We may be broken, but we're not destroyed. Look at verse 8 and 9. We may be broken, but we're not destroyed. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but what? Not destroyed. Boy, Paul had the story. We've looked at his life periodically over the last year of shipwreck and beatings and imprisonments and ridicule and harassment and all that stuff. And, and he says, we're going we're gonna to experience it. We're going to struggle. We're going to be beaten down, but we're not going to be destroyed. Pressured, but not crushed. I love what Dr. Jim Richards said as he was preaching here a couple of Saturdays ago. That, that the Bible does not say this. The Bible does not say that God will not give us more than we can handle. He said that's not the truth. The truth is God does give us more than we can handle. That passage that refers to God making a way of escape refers to temptation. It doesn't refer to trials and struggles. Here's the deal. God does give you more than you can handle so that you cry out to him and say, God, I need you. I need your help. He's placed us all there this last year. Mitch Chase says it this way, by saying that God will never give you more than you can handle, we're saying that I have what it takes. It tells me that I can bear whatever comes my way. It tells me that God permits trials according to my ability to endure it. He says it points people inward. But when I will say that God will give me more than I can handle, it says I've got to look to him. It points to him and not my flesh. Paul says that, that we have this treasure in the flesh and we have to look to him. Bob Deffenbaugh says it's after we've reached the limits of our own capacity that it's absolutely necessary for some of us to cast our cares on God. Wouldn't it be great if it didn't have to come to that, but it seems to come to that. That, that before some of us will let go of that rope, we have to get to the what? End of that rope. And we cling to that. And I can't help but think God is just saying, let go of the rope. We may be broken, but not destroyed. It's interesting, the story of Elijah and the, and the widow at Zarephath. God told him to go to her, and she was making her last meal for herself and her son, and Elijah said, make a cake for me, and then you can, then you can have something for yourself. So she gave the last she had to God, and God worked a miracle, and the jar of oil never ran dry, and the, the flour never ran out. She was able to survive that part of the famine. I was thinking about that, how... 
probably those jars were always almost empty. Now, I used to have this picture of an overflowing jar, and every time she gets a little more, it fills up to the top. But think of probably it was, it was always almost empty. And that's when God showed up, because when it's almost empty, that's it. God, i got to trust you for this one. I'm going to trust you for this one. My son went on an adventure a couple of years ago. He bought an old, broken-down van that I would not have tried to drive from here to Corpus Christi. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to drive across the United States in this van. And he did. He did. And it broke down all over the place. He ran out of gas all the time. It, I, I'm not sure. It was, it was an older van. It had been converted to something else and had, had a generator in it, so there was like an extra tank, and I don't think his gas gauge worked, but it was an adventure for him to run out of gas. And he said, Dad, it's an adventure. I mean, I, when I run out of gas, I'm freaking out. How am I gonna, where, who's, who am I going to call? He said, man, it's great. We ran out of gas again. Out in the middle of nowhere, and he's got a story to tell. It's like my son found joy in running on empty. And I was thinking about that this week. I, I would like to do that, to find joy in being almost out of gas in Kevin's tank, you know, to, to find joy in almost being to the end of myself where I've got to totally, completely depend on God. But Paul says we're going to be crushed but not destroyed. You're going to run on empty but not run out. A couple of things about suffering before I move on. First of all, our suffering is God's way of manifesting his life through us. Our suffering is God's way of manifesting his life through us. I've been saying that, but he says it in a different way in verse 10 and 11. He says, we always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. That I am crucified with Christ. Remember Paul said, nevertheless I live, be it not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's not there, but that's another place. For we who are alive are given over death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may be revealed in our mortal flesh, so that death works in us, but life in you. The life of Christ can shine through my life. The gospel can go out when I suffer. It manifests the life of Christ in me. Paul says, Christ can be revealed in my frailty, in my brokenness. I love what Paul says in Colossians. I won't read that whole passage, but you can look at it in chapter 1 where he, he says, he refers to it this way, God's hope is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let your brain wrap around that one, Christ in you. Wow. In our grow group this morning, we started on lesson one, had a great time. We, we looked at the, the, the fact that the gospel is the big picture. We talked about creation. That's where it all started, and then the, the fall and then redemption. But talking about creation, that how, what a, an incredible thing it was that God created everything. And then to step back and say that the, the creator gave his life in the person of his son to live within us. Wow. That the creator of the universe, the universe, chose to come in the person of Christ to give his life that he could live within us, Christ in you. The life of Christ is manifested through us. Paul said in Philippians, for me, living is Christ, dying is gain. It's interesting. We looked recently at, at Matthew chapter 5 where it talks about you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, a, a city on a hill can't be hidden, you're to let your light shine. But I was looking this week, I backed up a couple of verses, and Jesus in the Beatitudes is talking about blessed are the persecuted. And I kind of, for the first time ever, kind of connected those dots that Jesus is saying you're blessed if you're persecuted. The very next thing he goes into is you're the light of the world. 
Could Paul have been thinking about that when he said this? Could Paul have been thinking about this reality that, that persecution is going to cause us to, to, for Christ's light to shine through us, that men would see our good works and glorify the Father? Think about the analogy of a sponge. When it's squeezed, what comes out? Whatever's in the sponge. If you're soaking up Kool-Aid and it's all in the sponge, you squeeze the sponge, Kool-Aid's going to come out. If it's water, water's going to come out. My, my life, when my life is squeezed like a sponge, suffering is going to do that. What should be forced out of my life? Christ. His gospel, the good news that he loved me, that he died for me, that he gave his, his own son for me. Listen, brokenness is God's way of manifesting the gospel. I'm on a group text. I don't know how many people are on this group text, but I get responses and numbers. And last week, the guys were talking about Hurricane Harvey and, and, and how tough it had been and, and how we could celebrate it. One of the guys, I don't know who it was, said, I can't think of much I wouldn't trade to live it all over again. Thought about that. To go through another year like we just went through, this guy is saying God did such a work in him, he'd go through it again to have God work in him. Wow. Suffering gives us the ability to share Christ. That's my next point. Our suffering should result in bold proclamation of the gospel. Bold proclamation of the gospel. Look at verse 13. And since we have this same spirit of faith keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we speak. Paul says, the gospel is in you. It's to be shared as you're broken. You share that with others. And you can become a bolder witness. Many of us have had more opportunities to share Christ since we've been broken this year than we've ever had before. People, I've talked to people, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the person that goes up to strangers all the time and tries to get in their business, okay? Some of you are and you thrive, you're good at that, I'm not. But I have had more opportunities to get in other people's business to share Christ with them than I've had before. My suffering has resulted in a more bold proclamation of the gospel to others. We've had more people come to know Christ this year than we've had in recent years in our church. We've had more people baptized this year than we've had recent times in our church. We've had more people come and connect than we've had in recent times. I'm telling you, I believe it's because we've been broken. We were talking this morning about how when the fences came down in my neighborhood, my backyard got bigger. I have a huge, had a huge yard. I looked, every fence in my neighborhood was down on the ground, and suddenly there's all these open doors, literally open to my neighbors. Kind of hated to see the fences go back up. But we got dogs, and we all know how that works, right? <laughs> Suffering puts the walls down, puts the fences down. I can't tell you because I haven't been keeping a log of how many people that have said we came to Coastal Oaks Church because of what happened with Hurricane Harvey. It's given us opportunities to proclaim the gospel that we never would have had 
Number four, is that where we are? Thank you for paying attention. Because this is a long one, all right? This is, there's a bunch in this last point as I wrap up. Our brokenness enables us to die to self, die to self, serve others, and glorify God. Usually when I preach this passage, I don't go all the way to verse 14 and 15 because it didn't always make the connection with me, but it does now. Again, verse 14 we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit. He's talking about the believers he's talking to. So that grace extended through more and more people. You see that? Grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to God's glory. Paul mentions the fact that we have died to self. We're there for one another. Everything is for your benefit. Grace is extended. Do you see that? Serving one another more and more, ultimately, to increase God's glory. I like that. All of this treasure in these clay jars is not going to get out there unless we're broken. And when we're broken, the gospel is out there. And when the gospel is out there, we die to self, we serve others. And ultimately, he says in verse 15, there will be thanksgiving to increase God's glory Broken, yet beaming. My prayer, among many, for our congregation is that we would continue to find opportunities, take advantage of opportunities to share the gospel with our community. Boy, I read a story this last week that challenged me. It's one of the lesser-known stories about the Titanic. A pastor named, Frank, named John Harper was traveling overseas, coming uh, to, to pastor a church. He was there with his son. He'd been widowed. Or I'm sorry, his daughter. He'd been widowed. And as the Titanic was going down, he put his daughter in the lifeboat. And he probably could have gone with her, but he chose not to. He decided, I'm going to stay and I'm going to take advantage of these last hours and moments to share the gospel with people. He shared the gospel with one man who rejected him. He gave him his life jacket. And he ended up in the water swimming from pile of debris to pile of debris, telling people, this is your last opportunity to trust Christ, will you trust him? That's what he did with the, the end of his life. One man who lived to tell about it said that Harper swam up to him and said, will you believe in Jesus and trust him? And he said no, and the man turned away from him and Harper came back another time to that same man and said, please, will you trust Jesus? And that man gave his life to Christ lived to tell the story. Four years later at a reunion, that man told the story of how Harper had come to him twice before he succumbed to the, to the, uh, the sea. He said, I came to know Jesus Christ because that man would not give up telling me about Jesus. This is what he said, though, when he shared his story in that gathering of survivors and others. He said, before the Titanic went down, there were three classes on the passenger list. First class, second class, third class. He said, but if you'll look at the documents now after the Titanic went down, there's just two columns. One column says saved. The other column says lost. Folks, you can put whatever label you want, whatever class you want, whatever, 
whatever you want, title you want to give a person, we all fall into one of two categories. Either we receive Christ and his saving grace or we reject him and we're lost. My prayer is that you would trust him as Savior. My prayer is that if you know him as Savior, you would let God use this broken life we live to forecast the gospel to our community. Let's pray together.